Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find all great things, past episodes, upcoming events. Of course, we've got medium classes. We've got our free Sunday gathering with medium demonstration. If you want a free copy of my book, just scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your name and email address. It says you get the first few chapters, but you get the whole thing. That's all at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is Pooja Chilakuri, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner and co-founder of the Healthy Active Aging Program. Prior to this, she served as a research and technology development professional for the global semiconductor industry. She's a published author, and in her memoir, and then there was Jesus, Pooja shares her journey of deconstructing from religion, healing her spiritual wounds and reconstructing her faith. She's also the host of the Afterlife podcast, where she interviews those who have had near-death, shared-death experiences, afterlife communications, or other spiritually transformative experiences. You can visit her website at PoojaChilakuri.com. Pooja, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me on your show. Thank you. You are so welcome. You just had me on your show, and I thought, this beautiful lady I need to share with. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. And I loved interviewing you. I loved reading your book. I guess it's my turn to be on the other side of the microphone. (laughs) It's fun. It really is. You do a lot of interviewing as I do. And it's nice to be able to share our story and let people know why you really got into this. So let's hear a little bit about you, your background. Uh, Yeah, tell us about you. And then we'll get into what happened that made you do yes of course so i have lived in the united states for the last 31 years but before that i lived in india i was born and raised in india and i was raised a hindu um we were very religious but my parents never opposed you know exploring other religions and then around the age of 19 i made a decision um to adopt Christianity as my faith. And then at the age of 37, I made a decision to leave religion and any institutions. So in a nutshell, you know, uh, that's been my spiritual journey. But also uh, physically, you know, I was a scientist and changed that and became a holistic health practitioner. So there's a lot of different things in my background. And I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Okay, well, let's get into what you call your spiritually transformative experience. A lot of people are not familiar with that. We've heard of near-death experiences, we've heard of shared death experiences, but something happened, something happened. So tell us about that. Yes. So like I said, Sandra, you know, I grew up in a very religious household, but my parents were very open-minded. And they were not against us exploring other religions. However, at home, what was practiced was very traditional Hinduism. So that involved a lot of rituals, a lot of obeying what the priests were telling us to do and how to do things. So really, the concept of having a spiritual life, that 
really wasn't the focus. The focus was about doing the right rituals and pleasing the gods, because we had many. I mean, we had a temple inside my home. But however, this whole exercise gave me the awareness that there was a higher power. So I feel like from my Hindu background, you know, that was a legacy that we did learn to have this humility towards a basic higher power. And then uh, when I was about 17 years old, I got really sick. And it's ironic because your show is called We Don't Die. And I spent two years just being terrorized at the thought that I was going to die because no one could figure out what was wrong with me. And this was also a time that I went to medical school and I got so sick that I had to drop out of my dream, which was to go be a doctor. No one could figure it out. I, I had access to the best health care. Um, I suffered for about two years. Um, there was a lot of the symptoms were like severe vomiting. I was wasting away. I was skin on bones. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And, you know, then there was these um, weird voices that I started hearing in my head. So my parents thought this is a problem for a psychiatrist, right? So at some point, I was on seven different um, pills. And nothing was working. Nothing was working. And then one day, my parents took me to a, I think he was a shaman. I did not have that word back then. But the kind of things he did, you know, um, he was doing some kind of energy healing. And that was the first time I fell asleep. I slept that day in after a year. This is a year into the sickness. And I think this was my, it wasn't a spiritually transformative experience, but this might have been my first exposure to something spiritual. And in that sleep, I had a dream and it was a beautiful dream where I saw what I thought was a church because in uh, where I grew up in Calcutta, we have a lot of Catholic churches with big structures and beautiful buildings. And it looked like one of those. And there was a voice that said that um, you're looking for healing in the wrong place. And I thought, what? And I woke up from that and I didn't think anything of it. And so then my parents thought maybe we should pursue a spiritual healing. So they took me to like these mystics and more shamans and uh, all kinds of places. We visited temples. We, uh, we went to the Sufi saints. You know, there's so many modalities in India, so many paths, and we tried them all. And then nothing worked. And so then is when my uncle, who lived in New York, suggested that I come to Duke University, which is in North Carolina. And he said, maybe there is something medically wrong with you and you need to, you know, figure this out. They have cutting edge research there. And I ended up in North Carolina. Long story, won't go into it, but I do talk about in details in my book, which is my memoir. And I, I ended up here, but I could never find the person at Duke University that I was supposed to meet. And again, to make a long story short, some of the students on campus, uh, where I was an undergraduate uh, student at Meredith College in North Carolina, they noticed that something was really off with me. I mean, you couldn't miss it. <laughs> and it's a miracle that I even made it on that plane ride to the U.S. Uh, this is when I was 19 years old. This is 1992. and. They said, okay, we'll take you to a church and maybe they could pray there for you. And that's when I remembered my dream. And I thought, well, why not? And so it was actually not a church. It was someone's house. And the pastor prayed over me and I healed. 
within like less than 24 hours. So that gave me a tremendous shock. And I thought, and you know, my 19-year-old brain cannot think higher level thoughts. I'm just thinking, maybe I need to change my religion. You know, maybe this is a God who healed me. So I need to learn and explore. And although that part was great, um, I also had a, uh, that's when I first started having these moments, these little glimmers of spiritual little things happening. Maybe I was open to it. Just wondering, so the illness that you had for two years that was unexplained in 24 hours left you. Just being yes. clear that. Yes. Wow. Yeah, okay. It was just like that, like snap your fingers and it's gone. Okay, continue on. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, Sandra, that's when I wanted to find out more about Jesus, about Christian. I didn't know anything. I was a blank slate. And uh, the thing that comforted me is I felt like I started hearing a still small voice that I'd never heard before. And I describe it in my book, too, because this one day I was reading a prayer book that was my parents had given it to me to ward off evil spirits. And while I was reading that, I heard a voice that I can't describe or explain. It felt like it came from within me, but it also felt like it came from outside. And again, keep in mind, I've never had anything like this ever experienced in my life. Um, and at this this time, I'm 20 years old. This is a year into exploring Christianity. And, um, and I was still following my Hindu prayers and everything. And then this voice, I, I, I couldn't tell you what it said. But the feeling I had was that since Jesus had healed me, I didn't need to be depending on um, worried about praying these prayers every day to, you know, to make sure that I was safe. It's like I was watching my back. And so, and I, I don't know what happened to me. I dropped that prayer book and I picked up the Bible. And then would you believe it? The first thing I read in there is my sheep hear my voice. And I thought, this can't be a coincidence. And so, you know, that was the day I decided that I was going to do it the whole way, Christianity the whole way. I called home, told my parents, mom, dad, changing my religion. Uh, my dad was happy because he knew how much, you know, I had healed from. Mom was super worried. No one's going to marry your sisters because changing your religion is taboo. And oh, so, it impacts the whole family. It impacts the whole family. It's socially, wow. it would have made them social outcasts overnight back then. Yeah, this is over 30 years ago. So definitely things are different now. But um, back then it was a big, big deal. And even now in some places in India, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so I decided to save them shame. And I said, I just won't come back. No one needs to know what I'm doing. You know, I'll just stay in the U.S. and continue my life here. And so that's what I did, Sandra. And for 17 years, I was very involved in a Christian church, um, in the ministry, you know, Sunday school, vacation Bible school. My husband was a deacon and treasurer. We were so deep in that. And so many relationships. And I felt like I owed them my life because... They had prayed for me and I had recovered. But what I failed to notice and I completely ignored was what was happening to my spirit. Because the group I was in was very legalistic, very fundamentalist. And the pastor's word was the last word on everything. Mm -hmm. 
And the views of God was very judgmental, very fear-based. A lot of talk about sin and going to hell. And um, you wouldn't go to hell if you were the righteous one following everything that you were told to do. But then the other people, right? And soon I began to wonder, I'm like, I have a lovely family. Please don't tell me they're going to hell, you know? that's And so all kinds of uh, questions I started having. And that was the beginning of the end because those kind of questions meant that you didn't have enough faith. And I think the worst burden that I carried while I was in that church for all those years was anything that I did or expressed that was against exactly how they believed, that was looked upon as betraying Jesus. And I didn't, that was a burden that was really crushing me because Jesus had healed me and I felt like I you know, wanted to follow his teachings and follow him. But Sandra, the way it was presented to me, it ended up, it, I ended up in a hot mess, like my health suffered. Um, I started, uh, instead of loving God, I started fearing God. And I started suspecting, like, you know, becoming really suspicious and paranoid. Like, if I do this, then this is how the consequences are going to be. I didn't share this outside of me because um you know it would again be looked upon as a sign of your faith is weak or you're trying to cause trouble in the church and so holding it all in i exploded one day and i just was done and i said i just want to be an atheist but i didn't know what to how to be an atheist because i had had those little moments of spiritual encounters with jesus and i also feared him and I feared God, and the afterlife was, I was worried that if I gave up faith or religion, I would go to hell, right? Then the afterlife becomes a big question mark. And so it's no wonder that one day I had like a nervous breakdown or a meltdown, and I was at home, and I was questioning God. I was questioning everything. I was very upset with myself for having brought myself to this place where I felt so much darkness uh, in my heart, in my mind. Uh, my family life was suffering. As a mom, I couldn't function. You know, there was a lot going on at that time in my life. And then <laughs> that day when I was having a meltdown in my closet, I didn't want to believe in God, but I was really struggling because I'd heard those voices earlier on. And all of a sudden, I just broke down. And I was like, you know, it would be so good if there was no God, because then I wouldn't suffer. And in that moment, I had my first spiritually transformative experience. Out of nowhere came this very gentle bolt of electricity. And I say electricity, but it's not because I don't have a word for it. And the closest human word that I can think of is electricity. And it was like these gentle waves, current went through the left side of my body, from my waist down to my feet. And there was an incredible warmth that came over me. Like, you know how you put someone, uh, give someone a warm blanket on a cold day, or you're holding a baby and soothing them. And that's how I felt. And then there was this incredible, tangible love. Now, Love isn't a thing, <laughs> but it felt like a thing. It felt like a real thing, you know, very tangible. And all of a sudden, I said, I said, Jesus. And as soon as I said that, there was like heat shot through my legs and warmth. And I said, oh, 
And then the kindness, right? And I said, this isn't what I'm experiencing in church. This is, this can't be Jesus. This is somebody else, right? And that, that's exactly what I feared, that if I shared that with anybody at church, that that's what they would say. I did share it, and then I was shut down saying that that was the angel of light. That was the devil trying to distract me from my path. And so I shut down. But I think I have to thank God that there was a friend that believed in it. And she kept telling me, no, you need to believe this. You need to open yourself up for this. And uh, in the days that followed, I started doing my own scientist in me, right? I got to do an experiment and get some data, right? I'm thinking, well, how can I experiment this? So I made a deal. I said, if this is Jesus, every time I say your name, I ha- you must and non-negotiable, I have to experience that heat going through my legs. And 100 out of 100 times that happened in the days that followed. And soon I became aware of a presence which was very kind. And uh, it was always with me, Sandra. It was kindness beyond, like it's not the same. Like, you know, when you smile at someone who's having a bad day, you're being kind, right? You multiplied that feeling times, I don't know, a million. And this little voice said, you've got to leave this church. And I'm telling you, Sandra, I fought it so hard, even though I was so miserable, because I was really afraid of the fallout. We were very deep into everything. Um, But the voice wouldn't leave me alone. And so after a year and a half of having these experiences, we finally left. So that was my first STE. I had another one. But if you have questions, I'll take a pause. No, you just keep talking. I think it's amazing. The 100 out of 100 times. And you look from a scientific point of view. Yeah, yeah. And I, and the thing is, thank you, Sandra. The thing is, people ask me, did you see him? No, I didn't see him. But, you know, that was too much of something else outside of me. And I'm, I mean, I'm asking, who is this? But my second uh, spiritually transformative experience, I did, I didn't see Jesus, but I just saw only the robe. And this is years later, um, after five years after leaving the institution, you know, sometimes the guilt doesn't leave you because those people had helped me at times in my life when I really needed it, all of them. And then also we have been brainwashed and conditioned into believing that if you didn't go to church on Sunday, then again, you know, you feared losing your relationship with God. So even though I stopped going, some days I would have that struggle. Should I be going? Should I be going? But I couldn't go because I did develop some sort of a, I want to call it a PTSD, even though I never got officially diagnosed, uh, because I didn't know that I could ask. I didn't know a lot of things. I didn't know I I could go to therapy or ask for help. I thought I have to figure all this out on my own. And uh, going near a church would make my heart pound. And it would make me feel very anxious and I would get very depressed. And so, you know, I thought, well, I'm better off not going because I'm actually having these experiences and enjoying Jesus. So again, why do I want to go somewhere where I'm going to hear something that doesn't validate what I'm experiencing? And so I was confused. And that's when I started having different kinds of dreams. Uh, I I don't remember the year, but I want to say that it's about 2017 or 2018 when I had the second, the first experience I had in 2010. 
So this is about seven or eight years later. And this was so beautiful. I was sleeping. It was an afternoon nap. And all of a sudden, uh, I feel like my whole body becomes light. Like, you know, you feel like you're caught up in a twister or a storm. And then your whole body becomes light. And all your burdens are gone. And you feel amazed amazing and i had that dream and then i had another one at night and this time the twister was very strong it was like a tornado and i was caught up in it but i wasn't afraid i wasn't scared at all and you know and these stories when you hear people say they saw a light and all it wasn't light it was dark but it wasn't scary dark and i didn't feel afraid and this time when the twister lands me i see that in front of me is a figure with a robe. And I can't tell you the feeling of um, happiness, peace, love, like you name it, right? All the good stuff. Um, And in that moment, I woke up and I said, what just happened? And then for the next few days, I felt like this tremendous fire. Like, you know, when you feel like you're burning up with the fever, but you don't have a fever, And that fire was so awesome. Like I just felt surrounded by fire, which was awesome. It was very comforting. So that lasted for a long time. And uh, that was my, uh, and so that's when I developed the confidence that it's time to deconstruct from religion completely. There is God with me. There is Jesus with me. And later I even learned that angels were with me. So it's been quite a journey since then. Wow, is all I can say. That's incredible, incredible. And I know the hold religion has on people. And I face it all the time. I'm sure you do with your podcast as well. I grew up Catholic. And I know I have family members that are very deep into religion, Mm -hmm. thinking that I'm doing something wrong, investigating the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And if I don't claim Jesus as my Savior, I don't get to heaven, right? So I've been disowned by family members. And it's religion can do a number on us and those beliefs we have are so deep seated in our subconscious. So I completely get the PTSD. Am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that deconstruction. Cause I, I am a firm believer and I say this on our Sunday service every Sunday. Uh, well, I don't say this particularly, but what I just said this past week was I do believe in God and I compared God to light But just like in the earth, there's thousands of different religions, Mm -hmm. there's different lamps. And these different lamps all share the same light, but they're different. So the light remains the same. And there's a lot of man-made stuff in religion. And I think it's our, not our job, but our own spiritual growth that we choose our belief. And we might take a little from this one, a little from this one investigate something new, adopt something new like you have. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that reconstruction, because I'm sure there are people that feel now that even talking about the afterlife, and you have the afterlife podcast, Podcast. but there's something wrong, you know, it it doesn't match with religion, but I think it does. I think it does, Sandra. It, It truly does. My deconstruction it began in 2010, but I didn't fully deconstruct until my second and third uh, spiritually transformative experiences. So it took about eight or nine years 
Because what we have to understand is when uh, beliefs are deeply rooted and seated, it doesn't matter how many experiences you have, your brain hasn't caught up. Your nervous system has to catch up. There's all these neural pathways that have been already set and laid and you're fighting against that. And if you've been indoctrinated with the fear of God, it doesn't matter, you know, me having these loving experiences with Jesus, those fears would still come up sometimes, right? And so one of the things that really helped me in the beginning, I feel like you move through these, um, I wouldn't call them steps because I don't want to see that it's linear because we're complicated. It's not. You could be making progress and still retain some of the you know, the older patterns. So maybe it's a spiral. Maybe that's a better way to think of it. So at the very beginning, I needed some validation. So I went to blogs, which had been written by pastors and congregation members that had left. And there were lots of teachings about grace. I really, really needed that because fear was so deep-rooted in me. And while I'm incorporating these teachings of grace, and I'm slowly weaning myself away from that, you know, the whole fear-based path, I discovered NDEs. I discovered podcasts on the afterlife, and I started binging on these stories. And it was marvelous because some of these NDEs had seen Jesus, and it was exactly like the one that I knew. Not the one that I'd been taught, but the one I, I personally knew. So hello, validation, right? And then all of the stories with the life reviews, there was never a judgment. And so that took away my fear of judgment. So when I started deconstructing, I said, how can I still hold on to Jesus? But I don't want to have the doctrines of Christianity that have been very damaging to me personally. And I didn't believe that there was an eternal place of extreme torment that God had created just to send us there, right? And so I thought um, maybe sometimes, and what I learned later is probably we create that place or state with our mental, with our mind and with our consciousness, right? Um, I still wanted to keep my faith in Jesus. So the thing that also helped me was a lot of teachings about Christ consciousness, And that made sense to me. It made complete sense to me because his love is universal. And that spirit is universal that connects us and binds us. And that's what the people that were experiencing in the afterlife were saying, that it's the interconnectedness of all things. And I think of Christ as that light that you were talking about, Sandra, because a part of my religious background, I, I used to memorize a lot of Bible verses. And one of the ones I love is, I am the light of the world, and you are the light of the world. So I am the light, you are the light, Christ is the light, right? So so those kind of um, reframing a lot of the teachings have really helped me, because I never wanted to give up my faith completely. How did it impact your husband, your family? Because to me, when you're so deep into a religion or any kind of relationship yeah. and you pull yourself out, there's grief. Yes. Uh, so how did how did you navigate I'm, that? Was your husband am, bored with all of this? I am so glad you brought that up because it's like dying. It it is. It really is. Because when so when we were leaving the church, my husband was completely on board. Now he's a he, it's funny because he's a very logical 
uh, and he's also not, you know, now he's more into believing some things. But back then, if I talked to him about the afterlife, he might have been skeptical. Um, but he understood that he saw the difference it made for me. And a lot of my um, depression was vanishing when we started, uh, when I started talking about leaving, I felt so free. I used to break out in hives that went away. So he saw that how much it was helping me. And so he was completely on board. And also, I think from him being a very logical person, and he had studied the Bible, he had pretty quickly realized that we were not learning the right things. So from that point of view, he was completely fine leaving. However, it did impact my daughter. She was seven and all her friends were in that church. And till this day, Sandra, I have to be honest, but the mommy in me holds a little bit of guilt for that it is like a grief because you lose you we lost the whole family that we had built here and you know he had been in the church for 10 years and i have been for 17 that was our family away from home home is in india families in india so i think for about a year or two both of us experienced a it is horrible the vacuum was terrible we didn't have anything to replace that and because we spent so much time uh, serving in the church, we didn't have time to build relationships outside of it. And so those first two years, I think, were, I don't know how we got through it, to be honest. <laughs> I think we were just taking it one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. How old is your daughter now? She is 20 now. She is. Have you had conversations about this? I have. And you know what, Sandra? She's not a, much of a talker, but one thing she did tell me, um, we were talking and she goes, mom, I understand. And she says, and this is her teenage words. This is, we had this conversation about four or five years ago, and then we haven't talked about it since then. Um, and she said, I understand mom. And then she goes, she just touched me like, you got bullied. <laughs> I said, okay, if that's how you understand it, you know, because she understood that um, I was doing things against my will out of fear. Well, then try to let some of that guilt go. Guilt yes. has, creates a neural pathway, just like any other repeated thought. And and I've I've heard some wonderful stories from parents that felt like they had done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something happens and it gets the kid goes on their own spiritual journey. Journey. That wouldn't have happened had things not gone exactly the way they did. So that they did. Trust trust her words. Try to let it go when it comes up. But I, I can understand it. It's yeah. Yeah. We but we do the best thing we know to do at the time we do. That's so true. I wanna find out a couple of things. Um I wanna know about your healing journey, because you talk a lot about healing and you teach. And then I also want to find out about your podcast and we'll see what else we can uncover. Okay. So for my healing journey, um, when I was uh, with that church, the thing that I developed a couple of things, I developed reactive airways where I couldn't breathe and I developed hives. And I don't want to blame it all on one institution because back then I didn't know what I didn't know. And the reason I developed those symptoms is because I was completely ignoring my inner person. I fully believe that anything that is uh, immune system related, yes, it can be genetic, but there is also an energetic component to it. And in my case, you know, I didn't have the concept of self-love. 
I didn't know how to take care of myself. So when that's when that broke down, and then when I left, that was the first time I decided that I have to do something about this because those two years where we had that vacuum, those were actually wonderful two years. If I think about it, when I look back, Sandra, it's like, you know, how you bury a seed in the ground and you've heard that analogy where it seems like everything is dark and horrid, but it's really beginning. It's going to sprout. So those two years, um, I took time off from my husband and I, because he had a couple of autoimmune disorders as well to focus only on healing. So that's when I went and trained as a nutritional therapist because I, the scientist in me also needed something very tangible, something that I could do and control. And so I said, okay, we're going to go change our lifestyle. So it was a lot of detoxing from uh, negative patterns of thinking, detoxing from whatever kinds of foods we were depending on, which was full of chemicals and pesticides and things like that. So those two years ended up being very... Uh, healing. And I think it's in a way, it's a good thing we didn't have a community or uh, too many friends because we could really go inward and focus on us and uh, our healing. And from there, um, the thing that happened was we made those changes and we started improving. But then when I was in that training program, I saw that a lot of people were there because it was their children that were sick. And so that opened my eyes to a whole different uh, world where Children younger and younger were sicker and sicker. And I had no awareness of that prior to this. And I thought, this isn't right. And I started developing a training program. Uh, it's a wellness coaching program. And I've been doing it for the last 10 years because I just wanted to get the word out. Because we have so much power in our pantries and in our kitchens that we don't understand if only we knew what to do. So part of my healing was physical, but the spiritual and emotional part has taken a longer time. And I think uh, one thing that really helped me, Sandra, which is why I binge on podcasts like yours or any other podcast that talks about the afterlife or anything, any blogs that talk about, you know, spiritual um, healing, because the more we hear, that's how our brains are going to get. Because that's how we got programmed in the first place is by hearing. So that's how we're going to get deprogrammed is by hearing. <laughs> And I know you're interested in healthy aging as well. Yes. I, a lot of the people I know that listen to our podcasts or watch, we're getting into our best years, you know? <laughs> yes. You'll help people along with that as well. They can consult yes. with you, right? Yes. So I love that program. I developed it with a, uh, another coach. And what we do is we talk about, we have a mantra. This is really, um, it, it says, replace your ills pills and bills with lifestyle skills right so one more time replace your ills pills and bills your medical bills with lifestyle skills so that's what we do a lot of the classes we teach are on stress management in on um, living a lifestyle where you could prevent or delay the onset of alzheimer's or dementia that's the focus because um, that's been our passion you know the whole brain health yeah. Are these in person or online? They're in person. They're in person. We're talking about developing it online so more people can have access to it. I think you should. I think Thank you. you. We'll share it. So what made you had start the podcast? Yes. So what happened was um, since we were not going to church and there wasn't a tribe or a community that 
I could physically access. And the only place where I was feeling so uplifted was listening to other people's podcasts. I thought, you know, why not? Why don't I start interviewing some of these people and making those connections, which feeds my soul? I honestly did it for me first. That sounds selfish. Yeah. Me too. I didn't think anybody would listen. Yes. I was just like, you know, I am because I get to talk to people like you, Sandra. That is gold for me in my week. You know how much it lifts me up. That's that's just amazing. So that was my real reason to do it. But once I started rolling, I'm like, you know, if people are listening, then I'm happy if it can help someone. Yeah, they're good interviewer and good stories. Thank so you. in a second, I'm going to ask you about some of your favorite stories and why you believe in the afterlife. But I wanted to ask, how is the relationship with your family back in India? Yes. So here is the plot twist. This is really funny. After I had my deconstruction, my brother, he went deep into religion and he chose Christianity. So it's been, I feel like we're just going to keep flip flopping. (laughs) Um, And my parents have been very supportive, Sandra, throughout this whole time. I think um, when I visit and when I talk about my podcast, they're not able to grasp or believe the stories. And I know my poor mom, she's like, she'll listen to an interview and she can't believe it. It's too fa- fantastic, right? And I keep telling her, Ma, it'll come, you you know, as long as it brings you peace, just, and if you, if you can't make sense of it, just let it go for now. Yeah. So they've been very supportive this whole time. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. My mom, we have times that we, she lets me share everything. Some of them, she's like, I don't know if I believe in that. And some of it's like, it's fascinating to her. So while she's not 100% a believer, I think every one of us is on our own path. 25 years ago, I would have never thought I'd be talking to you right now because I didn't believe in any of this. But I think as we age, as we have losses in our life, our health maybe deteriorates when we get older, we Mm -hmm. start asking ourselves these questions. And I think that's just normal. So we can never push this on people. But if they're willing to listen, it's our passion. And we love to share, don't we? Yes, I do. (laughs) We do. So let's hear some stories. What do you love? What are some of the stories that you maybe you've heard that uh, you know, I mean, I know you've got this special thing that happened with Jesus, I don't even know how to put it to words this wonderful experience. So we'll talk a little bit more about your faith and, you know, being with Jesus. But some of the stories I'm sure you've gotten from your podcast. um, Any are there any that really resonate? with? Yes. Oh, my God, I love that. I feel very blessed. I think every guest I've had, I have a little journal where I write my own takeaways from their stories, because that's what I feed on, you know, for my soul. I'm just I just love it. My very first um, guest was Jacob Cooper. I love his story, Sandra. And he said something that really helped me because of all the NDE stories, everybody was so unique, right? And he said that in the beginning, there may be like a little adjustment phase. We're still trying to get adjusted to the afterlife. And that cleared up some confusion for me that I had. Um, And then Ingrid, uh, I don't know if you've heard her speak, Dr. Ingrid Hankala, which she would see the beings of light. And her NDE was fantastic as a child. You know, she had one. The thing that struck me the most from her story was 
not just the beings of light, but that the minute she thought about something, she was there. Like it was that fast. So again, it reinforced to me the power of thought. Even here, while we're still in this body, we can't we can't manifest something that fast. But the fact that that can happen, you know, so that was another one. And then Barbara Bartolome, her NDE was amazing, where she was floating above her body and she could see everything. And she was in a, a relationship at the time of domestic abuse. The reason her story really touched me, Sandra, is because in her story, this being of light, God, as she calls it, source or God, um, asked her that if she went back, what would she do about that situation? And she promised to leave. So, you know, the reason it touched me is a lot of people stay, in me included, like when I couldn't leave the church, because we're so afraid, right? And to know that the higher power is supporting that decision. A lot of people need permission. So those are some of the ones that I have really. And then interviewing you was a ton of fun. I think, Sandra, like I, you know, before I interviewed you, let me tell you, I, I, I'd done a lot of um, NDE stories, but I had never investigated afterlife communication until I did your interview. You have me reading about that now. So you opened up a new world for me. <laughs> it is great. It's like an onion that we peel the layers, but we'll never get to the bottom. There are so many wonderful reasons. Yeah. And, and and Jane Asher, her interview, my God, you know, communicating with her mom like that in the afterlife, that was so comforting. So there's, I think there's not a single one that I didn't love that I interviewed. I agree. There's gold and everything. What's the best way people can find the afterlife podcast? Yeah, it's on Spotify and Apple, and I'll give you the link to share. Um, it's also on YouTube, so I'll give you all the links. Okay, and so for anybody listening or watching, just scroll down to the description and you will find them, but also on your website as well. We can access Yes, it. that is there on my website. Wow. Well. So the last thing I just want to talk about a little bit is Jesus, okay? This, this love that you felt. Mm -hmm. And... We can call it Jesus, we can call it God, light, whatever that may be. That mm -hmm. each one of us has this unconditional love, mm -hmm. unconditional. Mm -hmm. Does it take asking for it to be there? Does it take hitting rock bottom to feel that presence? There's, I'm sure, no formula to <laughs> recreate what happened to you. But I think each one of us would love... Mm -hmm to be able to have that feeling that there's a bigger picture, that there's this presence that loves me unconditionally, wants the best life for me. Mm -hmm. How do we access that? Or do we ask? What do you I, You know, when you were speaking, um, something popped in my head. Um, Confucius popped in my head. And I, I think, I think this, I think he said it because these days, all these quotes, I don't, I never know anymore who said what, because with all, you know, people attribute and give credit to uh, things anymore. I don't know, but I think he said that we learn in three ways. The first is by imitation. The second is by uh, experience. And the third is by reflection. So I feel like we open ourselves up when we're imitating, like, 
when I'm binge watching these podcasts and I'm filling my mind with all that information. But Sandra, I really believe that sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, which comes where comes that experience piece, right? Uh, where we hit rock bottom. In my case, that was true. And I feel like people like me, where I'm such a do-it-yourself person, you know, and I'm always trying to do, 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 do. And my mind is always cluttered with the next strategy or the next step. And for me, I think I had to be broken out of that. So when life comes at you and you can't do it anymore and you really break down, I feel like that until we're empty, how can we be filled? So we have to be empty of something, you know. And in my case, it may have been that whole hamster on a treadmill trying to do it all for God, even for God, right? So I feel like you're absolutely right that hitting that rock bottom and becoming empty and then letting that love fill you. But as Confucius said, there may be a third way, which is reflection. I think some people just through their practice of they're the fortunate ones, I say, because they didn't have to experience um, a hardship, you know, but through reflection or meditation, I think can get there as well. Thank you for that. I know we always were told when we're a child, if you smile for 30 seconds, you feel better, right? Yes. And it's acting as if. So I would like to tell everybody that in all these years, I just have all these miracles that happen that I feel so great all the time. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I'm on my own personal journey. So this information is important to me too, because I would like to feel that. Do I take a lot of time to meditate? I know I should, but I don't. You know, I'm human just like anybody. But it's accepting where we are and knowing that, um, you know, there's an expression I love called... Uh, God will work with you, but not for you. Yes. So we need to take the steps in mm -hmm. the right direction. So maybe it is acting as if, you know, we have this relationship and just seeing what unfolds. And I'm a big fan of journaling, writing things down, because sometimes we look back and go, oh my gosh, I was there and now I'm here. As human beings, we live in the present moment. We're always thinking, like you said, about the next thing. We're always busy. So we never get to see how far we've come. We never take the time to say, oh my gosh, look at all these accomplishments I have. You know, we're always looking for the negative. Mm -hmm. I believe you have more than one book, don't you? Yes, I do. Could you tell us a little bit? Are they in the realm of Jesus, health? Uh, there's one on health where I wrote a beginner's guide to using supplements because I was very alarmed by what I saw in my, I, I also do one-on-one -on -one, uh, private practice and people were walking into my office with like 20, 30 supplements that they were taking. And that alarms me because everything goes through your liver, you know, and it can harm and damage. And so I felt like I had to write that one to teach people how to read the labels on supplements and what to take, what not to take. And then I wrote a few more books based on Jesus, yes, Sandra. And the reason I did that is because I felt like I needed to speak to the people that were still caught up in a lot of legalism or fundamentalism. And so in my books are reflections on Jesus and they are poems because I want them to see a different Jesus. Like I, you know, in I say I want them to, you, I, I don't want anybody to change because we're all on our own journey, but I at least want them to come out of the fear-based, a fear-based relationship with Jesus. And and the poems and the reflections are not imposing any doctrine, 
that's just a space that I've created for people to do their own reflection, to think deeply about what they believe. Beautiful words. Yeah. Oh. Well, our time is almost up to date. Do you have any closing words or words of inspiration, last minute thoughts that you want to share with our audience? Yes, I do. This is something I tell myself every day. Um, two things, um, two, and one has to do with my religious background. When I was uh, deeply into religion, we, we kept hearing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And usually that would just mean whatever the church believed or taught. However, I have come to believe from my own life, Sandra, and from watching the afterlife uh, videos such as yours, such as you know other podcasts, everything is here. When we raise our own vibration, we are raising the vibration of the planet. And that to me is the kingdom of heaven. That is how we bring heaven on earth. It's each one of us's personal journey. And the best way we could do that is being true to ourselves, to being authentic, living a life where we don't feel, you know, that we're compromising or squeezing ourselves into a mold that somebody else decided for us. So my last words for this show would be, please be you because that's really, I underestimated that importance of being me in my life. And being me is the best thing I could have done. Beautiful, beautiful words. You are one of a kind. You radiate <laughs> love and joy. Uja, thank you so much for telling us your story today. Thank you, Sandra, for having me on your show. It's oh, been a absolutely. pleasure. Absolutely. And for our listener or our viewer, her book is And Then There Was Jesus. Or you can go to her website, Pooja Chilakuri. Pooja Chilakuri.com. Sorry about that. And yeah, check out her website, The Afterlife Podcast. Pretty cool. We're so proud of her. Well, to my listeners and viewers, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you being open to something new. And like Pooja said, hearing stories, repetitive stories, that's when we start to believe. And I think it's so important. It really is. So remember, our home base is wedontdie.com. You can find over 400 episodes of this show. And I also have over 150 of my other podcast, which is more me reporting in on the afterlife, less on the interviews. That's called Shades of the Afterlife. If you want to join our club, I've got a Patreon club that you get early access to episodes. You get uh, so many things. You can certainly join that. We don't die.com. And please join us at one of our free Sunday gatherings or take a course or just keep listening. You know, anytime that we continue our own investigation, which I think it's all about. It's all about that. It really can give us a different view on life. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I'm always so grateful to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is so important. So put in a little self-love. Let your light shine. You truly are one of a kind and you're a beautiful, radiant human being just as you are. Thank you for listening or for viewing and we'll see you soon.